Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host for this one, John Stegley. I am joined by Ross Martin, Greg Barnes, and then new to the podcast, Gregory Hall. So guys, thanks for joining me. Let's go ahead and jump right in because Tar Heels had a huge win on Saturday against Miami. Let's start there. And uh, Greg, since we're only going to have you for a part of this podcast, let's go ahead and have you lead us off here. What were your main thoughts after that Miami game, watching the Tar Heels pull off that come from behind victory for the second consecutive week? Well, the, the number one takeaway was, was Sam Howe is the real deal. And we can talk about the coaching staff. We can talk about uh, you know the off-season strength and conditioning program. We can talk about a change in the mental approach and guys being more confident. But if North Carolina does not have a quarterback like Sam Howe in either of these two games, there's a good chance they're sitting at 0-2, which is where a lot of us thought they would be. Uh, and so it just – staggering how good Sam Howe has been, especially late in the games, the first two weeks. The other thing is uh, we talked all off season about, you know, does Brian Hess have that magic where he can, you know, help North Carolina get over this injury bug. There's a lot of injuries on, on Saturday night. I know we're going to talk about that, but seeing so many guys go down, uh, that's not a good sign this early in the season. All right. So Ross, then do you have anything to add to what Greg just said, or did he kind of sum up, Probably the the general feelings, I would say, after the win against Miami. Yeah, I think his team does have a lot of things to fix, and which makes you kind of – it's kind of crazy that they can get a lot better and perform at a higher level on defense and on offense. And other than that, I mean, Greg kind of nailed it with what Sam Howell does in the fourth quarter back-to-back games. But the big news, obviously, today, Monday, was in the press conference at 11 a.m. They – UNC announced that starting senior cornerback Patrice Renee will be out for the season with a torn ACL – which is big news. He's obviously UNC's tallest, most physical, most um, experienced cornerback. And then starting senior center, Nick Polino is out indefinitely with a lower uh, extremity injury. And we saw him on uh, Saturday night with a boot on his uh, foot. So I think uh, you got to assume it's kind of a foot or ankle injury. So that I think the Polino injury is a bit bigger considering that was a question mark hmm. already. And there's a reason why Brian Anderson wasn't starting. Uh, and so now he starts Brian Anderson, a, a redshirt sophomore out of Alabama. Um, he's played a lot already. He played in both those drives against South Carolina. He played extensively once Polino went out. He's a little undersized for center spot. But he's a smart kid and, and held his own, I think, against uh, both teams. And they'll definitely work on him. And behind him is Ty Murray, uh, who I believe the staff really likes. And he's now the, the true freshman is now a backup um, for Renee. They'll turn to Greg Ross alongside Trey Morrison. Greg Ross played very well against South Carolina, and Storm Duck is now your third number three corner there. Um, so two big injuries. Gregory, I'm going to get your thoughts on this in just a second, but um, turning to the the second Greg, we'll, we'll call Greg Barnes the OG Greg uh, moving forward. That'll be his call sign. But, like you that. know, yeah, OG Greg. Well, it's interesting, Ross, that you talked about Polino being the bigger of the two injuries because – in the podcast yesterday with Tommy Ashley, Buck, and then Jason Staples, Staples made the point that since center was kind of going into the season, the weak leak of the offensive line anyways, that it's not like Carolina's having to replace like an all ACC caliber guy. 
And I think that there's a little bit of logic behind that. But Greg, when you're looking at these two injuries, which one do you think will be the most impactful? And do you think that there's any chance that Polino may return sooner rather than later? Well, let me ask, answer that one first, because I think that is an important um, topic of conversation. And Mac Brown did not give us a lot of detail there. Phil Longo, I think, seemed to let the cat out of the bag because he said, quote, now that Nick is not going to be with us for a while. And then went on to another comment. That seems to be a pretty good indication. They're not counting on having Nick in, in two weeks uh, or you know, when App State comes to town or in three weeks and Clemson's there. Um, you know, maybe and Mac even said, you know, maybe we, we hope to have Nick back before the end of the season. So I think that's, that's significant. That means he's going to be out for a while. Um, and I, I certainly get Jason's point. I mean, for sure they wanted Nick Bellino at guard, uh, and they wanted, you know, Ty Murray really to step up and then Brian Anderson to be a factor there. Well, as well at center, uh, and Murray got hurt at a concussion in the preseason, uh, you know, Anderson's kind of worked his way in. He played well late against South Carolina. But I think if you look at kind of what happened against Miami, North Carolina's first three drives, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. Um, the second to last play of that third touchdown drive was when Polino gets hurt. Their next four drives, one yard, nine yards, one yard, and they had the, the 58-yard where they started to get some things done. Uh, North Carolina's run game completely shut down after Polino left. Give credit to Miami. Uh, but the way that North Carolina was able to generate yardage primarily in the fourth quarter is by hitting the edges. You know, if you remember that that first big play Javante Williams had, it was off the right side. Uh, they had a number of yards uh, outside the tackle box. They didn't get very much at all on the interior. That is the point of concern for North Carolina. Wake's not very good defensively. Uh, so I don't know that you're going to see that problem this week or even next week against App. But if Carolina does not improve in the middle, whether it be Brian Anderson or Ty Murray, uh, that's going to be a significant issue because eventually teams will realize that all North Carolina is going to be able to do is bounce outside. Uh, that That's a problem, and that, that's not going to help anybody. Who do you think will step up in the secondary, though, Greg, to replace Patrice Renee? Well, I'm, I'm always the guy that says, look, you've got to have great defensive ends, at least a great defensive line. And then you've got to have at least one really good cornerback to field a good defense. I think a lot of people kind of uh, echo that. And if you look at the pay scale in the NFL, it kind of bears out as well. So when you don't have a guy like Patrice Rene, uh, you've got to be careful with, with your coverages. And so maybe that means we are going to see more, more zone looks in the back, which we've seen a lot of early, in part because Patrice Rene hasn't played. People you know, kind of forget he, he missed a half against South Carolina. Uh, and then missed a half the other night. So North Carolina has some experience without him out there. Uh, but like Ross said, when you're talking about you, know, Greg Ross has been steady. Uh, he had a lot of issues last year. But then you're talking, you know, Storm Duck, Trey Maris, Trent Morrison was great the other night. I mean, this is he's only had two games at cornerback in his career. He's still a young guy, even though he's played well. And then you're you're getting into uh, Egbuna, uh, and then maybe if they decide to, to move Cameron Kelly over. I know that they're kind of have him slated for safety right now. He may be a body if Trey Shell's not able to come back from injury to move to corner. So a lot of young guys, they probably feel comfortable with Ross and Morrison right now, but you just have no margin of error. I think Morrison is one of UNC's best defenders. Uh, and, sure. and that's across every position. He, he looked great on 
Saturday. So you got to feel good with, with, with what you have with him. And, and Gregory um, Ross has shown he can play. But it never, it's never good to see Renee go out. But they do have, a, I think, a number one guy that could start at most schools in, uh, in Trey Morrison. He's a little undersized. He's not tiny, but he's about probably 5'10". But very physical, very quick, and he's shown to be a very good player for UNC. All right. Well, Greg, we'll go ahead and let you go here, unless if you had any final thoughts that you wanted <laughs> to share on just the press conference in general. Nope. I think we got it covered. I, I do think when you talk about leadership – uh, we haven't talked about that. When you when you lose a guy like Polina and you lose yeah. a guy like Renee, while they will still be in the locker room, not having them on the field, especially Polino up front, uh, I think that that's something that we have to factor in because that, that can be an issue moving forward as well. All right, sounds good. Well, thanks, Greg. We'll go ahead and now go to Gregory Hall. Uh, my nickname for you is going to be Gregory the Younger. So we got OG Greg oh. and then Gregory the Younger. <laughs> All but, right, I'll uh, take that. Well, what were your thoughts on the injuries, Gregory? I mean, do you think that, you know, Carolina is better equipped to absorb the loss of Patrice Renee? Or do you think that, you know, Polino in that center position, because there is someone like a talented freshman like Murray, who the coaching staff is hopeful can fill in, where do you think the heels will kind of be feeling the pain most in the next couple of weeks? I think they can absorb the Patrice Renee injury the most. Because, yes, you do have Dom Ross's back in the middle of that linebacker group. He didn't, we didn't see him that much on Saturday. But his prowess and his leadership in the middle can help Miles Doran, Miles Wolfolk. There, there are leaders on that defensive side more so than the offensive side. Mac mentioned going into the South Carolina game a week, a week before it that he still didn't know who his leaders were on offense and ideally you want that center to position to be one of your leaders which was part of why Polina was moved over to center because they didn't want Brian Anderson and Sam Howell week one you didn't want those young guys to be kind of the core of your offense yes you've got Charlie Heck on the left side who is a leader he's quiet and he might have to step up now even more and kind of help uh, Brian Anderson and Ty Murray with those reps. So that's why I think they're going to definitely going to be feeling the Polino injury the most, especially considering that they don't really know when he's, they haven't told us when he's going to come back. They said indefinitely. Greg mentioned Longo said for a while. So that just the uncertainty is worse for that than just knowing that Renee's out for the season. Because with Renee being knowing he's out for the season, you can kind of start building that now. But they don't know when Nick Polino is going to come back, and I think that's worse. To put a bow on this, John, um, you now have – I mean, Polino, yeah, like is a, is a very experienced senior with a lot of starts. So now you have Anderson with zero starts, Marcus McKeithen and Edmond Tillis with two starts, and uh, Jordan Tucker with three starts. And that's a very, very inexperienced line. They've played pretty well. Um, I, I don't think they played excellent, but they played, they've gotten the job done. And then you have Charlie Hack on the outside with, um, 20 plus starts. And I think the, the schedule, it, it kind of puts Carolina in, in a tough position as well, because, you know, Wake Forest, they're not a great team, but they're still going to really give the heels a lot to contend with on, on defense app state, obviously it's going to be their super bowl, but then you're talking about Clemson coming to town for an offensive line. Like you said, Ross, that does not have a whole lot of experience. 
yeah, the schedule just doesn't do them any favors. Let's take a very quick moment to talk about our friends, though, at Giant T-Shirt and, and GiantT-Shirt.com. They are your place to go for your Tar Heel gear. Game days are finally here. It's a beautiful time to make it to Chapel Hill. And when you're there, make sure that you stop by the Giant T-Shirt location there along Franklin Street, where they have been there for decades. They are locally and family owned and absolute must visit. They've got everything you need for the, your perfect UNC tailgate. They also have the clear bags that are allowed in, in Keenan Stadium. So if you haven't picked those up, you need to bring something in. You can get those at Giant T-Shirt. They also have the return of the Mac. Mac is back. Tees. Just everything that you need for the new season. Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. Best customer service. Your place to go for Tower Heel gear. And also remember that... Inside Carolina Premium subscribers get 10% off of their orders. So you can use that at Giant T-Shirt or GiantT-Shirt.com. 10% off your code. Get that from the Premium Basketball Message Boards. All right, guys, let's go ahead and move on then to the next kind of big topic here. And that's going to be just the, the overall schedule for this week and, and the practice. Um, and Coach Brown talked about that little bit here that since the game is is on Friday uh, he mentioned that he doesn't really like that because it interferes with the high school but you know TV the money ultimately speaks in the end so what stood out to you about kind of the whole process of the practices Ross when coach was talking about that yeah just to inform our listeners because of the Friday game everything's moved up a day so they did not have Sunday off uh, well, so usually, usually they have Monday off, and Sunday is a very brief kind of recap of the game, and they go some light work, and they get a lot of um, kind of training work done on their bodies, and it's not really a big time practice. So they didn't have a day off basically. So uh, Sunday was that, and then Tuesday's practice was Monday, and everything moves up a day from there. So I think the basic takeaway is you don't get that big day of rest, and you don't have an extra day to recover from what a lot of people said was the most physical game. They've had so far, Mac Brown mentioned it, Longo uh, mentioned it, that it, physically it's going to be one of the tougher teams they faced in Miami. So, I mean, contact sport, obviously there's going to be a lot of issues and, and, and the injuries as well. So getting some people healthy is going to be the key. Um, and then another thing I asked Mac about was just the coaches' schedule. They just don't have enough, the same amount of time to game plan. So they're working a little bit later each night. They work late Sunday night, and they'll work late tonight to perfect that game plan so they can install it um, starting starting tomorrow and, and Wednesday and then kind of perfecting it Thursday. So one less day. I kind of like the, the Friday game because uh, it gives you all – from a media member perspective, it gives you all Saturday to watch other games. It's funny because you don't watch – when you cover a team, you really don't watch much football because you're at the stadium two hours before. You're, you're very late, though. So selfishly, I kind of like the that game. It kind of gets uh, all the work done out of the way. Um, Gregory, do you have any other takeaways kind of about the schedule for this week? I mean, if you think about it, going to the Miami game, Miami had that, had, had another extra week to prepare. Yeah. Wake Forest played last Friday, I believe. They've I played every Friday. Play. Yeah. So they, Friday. Hmm. so they, UNC doesn't have a day of rest. Wake Forest played a day before. So it's, it's almost, it's a normal week for Wake Forest. They're used to this Friday, these Friday games. So I think that's big, just knowing that Wake, I mean, all the hype that's been around this team after these two, up to North Carolina, these two huge wins, first in-state game for Mac Brown. If I'm Wake Forest, I'm going to want to knock that down. And they have an extra day to do it. So I think that's maybe probably my largest takeaway about the short week. That's a great point, Gregory. That's why we bring you on. Bring Absolutely. in the heat. 
I know, right? Let me ask Gregory a quick follow-up here. You know, you mentioned the in-state uh, component of this game. Mac Brown talked about that as even though it's a non-conference. What was it like in the in the PC itself when Coach Brown was talking about all those coaches that have come through Wake Forest, Gregory? Like, did he seem to really get back into that form of we must win the state championship? Yeah, it, it was what stood out to me was how similar he was talking about it back in as he was talking about in the spring with winning in-state recruiting. And he mentioned that today. He went through, he went through his list of goals where one was to win the opener, did that. Their second goal as a team was to beat all the teams in the state. Like that, that was their second goal. Um, And then third goal, win the coastal fourth goal, win the ACC and so on from there, bigger and bigger and bigger. So just, Obviously, winning the opener was huge for them. And then beating teams in the state is what Mac Brown wants to do. He knows that's what brings fans in. He knows that's what brings in-state recruits in because the best recruits in North Carolina want to play for the best school in North Carolina, right? So I think that's the biggest thing. And just Mac's persona and his tone kind of changes when he talks about being the best team in the state. And Ross, you know, Coach Brown also talked about the pressure. He was asked about, you know, if he's feeling any pressure now after the Tar Heels started the season 2-0. and And I really got the sense that the coaching staff is trying to make sure that the team does not have an emotional letdown against the Deacons. Do you think that they will really be kind of hammering that, look, this is an in-state thing. This is why you guys cannot think that this is a you know, just a game that you're going to walk in there and, and win, given that you beat two opponents that should be better than the Demon Deacons, at least on paper? Yeah, I, I don't really think that's the case. I, I I don't think – I think Wake Forest is a really good team, and they're they're favored right now. Mm-hmm. And I think in hindsight, after the Wake Forest game, they may think that they were a tougher team than, than South Carolina. I'm not sure about Miami. Um, and this team has, has lost so many games. I don't think they're going to enter any game overlooking an opponent. That being said, someone on Twitter hit me up about this the next two weeks kind of being games they could overlook because Clemson looms so large. But mm-hmm. I think this team with the senior leaders on defense and offense, they're not gonna be they don't have a they haven't done they haven't won anything. I mean, they haven't won any clout to overlook games. So um they're gonna keep it rolling. And, and yeah, I think all coaches feel stress of winning games. Uh I think that's just part of the job is uh is kind of what Max said. That's why his hair is gray. And he looks so old. <laughs> let's go ahead and take our last commercial break. When we get back, let's wrap it up by talking about some of the superlatives uh, that stood out to you guys from Saturday's game and who needs to play well on Friday for the Heels to pull off the victory over there in Winston-Salem. So we'll be right back after this. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Ross Martin and Gregory Hall. Guys, let's go ahead and get your thoughts on who stood out the most to you from the matchup against the Hurricanes on Saturday. Coach Brown had a couple guys that he named, but you know, from what you saw, Ross, what'd you think about him calling out specifically guys like, you know, Dominique or Chaz Surratt? How did they play on Saturday to your eyes? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just go with the guy that I thought played really well, and I'll, I'll let uh, Gregory follow me with with a couple guys he thinks. I thought Gimmel was the best, um, one of the best defenders on the field. He was everywhere. The stats showed that. I thought he really saved some touchdowns um, for the Tar Heels, kind of racing and getting running backs and wide receivers on the edge. He flashed his speed 
and you know we haven't seen him play much, so it was good to see him be in the right right spot. He was it seemed like he was always in position and took really good angles to to make stops when um, some uh, Miami players kind of scored down the edge. So I would go with um, Jeremiah Kimmel as my kind of defensive MVP. Of course, Taman Fox with three sacks stands out. Gregory, you got any players that really you think played really well against uh, Miami? I wouldn't say really well, but I think the one guy who stands out to me would be Miles Dorn. Hmm. He struggled on Saturday against South Carolina. Well, Saturday, I should say. But he definitely made some improvements against Miami. And he helped Gimmel, who got picked on a few times. Well, not a few times, but kept having to guard Brevin, probably future NFL tight end for Miami. I think they threw it to Gimmel in coverage eight times. They completed seven of those passes. And a lot of the times just based on memory, it was Gimmel and Dorn having to take take him down. And so I just think that kind of speaks to the inexperience that UNC has over the middle of the field, but the experience that they have in secondary with Dorn, who can go up and help. So I think he was my defensive standout. Um, offensively, I mean, obviously Sam Howell had a great game, but I think it was really Javante Williams. Hmm. They had no they had no running game first three quarters. And then as Greg mentioned earlier, Javante broke out those two runs out the right side and as Longo said today, he is confident in himself. He obviously didn't play that much last year until the end, but when he played in the end he had what was it, four or five touchdowns in the last couple games. Um and yes, those were short line situations, but what he's shown through these first two games, and was a big reason why they were able to pull the win out against Miami was that he keeps his feet moving, and he's strong, and he, if he sees a defender coming his way, his goal is to knock him over. So I think that's why Javante is my offensive standout player against Miami. I would add, I think the receivers in general played pretty well. Um, they made the plays that we haven't seen from that group the last two years. Uh, I mean, the Groves, Rontavia Toe Groves catch on the 4th and 17 was a great route and a great catch. And then Daz Newsom had a couple good catches in the game. And, of course, the touchdown catch was a great route and a, and a really good catch to keep your feet in. Bo Corrales had some good fourth-quarter catches. Um, Diami Brown's touchdown catch was a – he guy he showed his speed there and his ability to break away. So that's going to be encouraging for UNC because Sam Howe could really throw the deep ball and has great touch. So you like to see that the receivers can get open deep because that's going to be a big part of this offense. And he didn't miss one across the middle later in the game, but um, you kind of you saw some of these receivers really coming along and not making as many drops, which we have seen in the past. I'll just throw one thing in here. Speaking of drops, what, something that I thought was worrisome that ended up not being worrisome was when that ball hit De'Ami Brown right in his hands on the kind of the scramble when Sam was directing him. And just felt like last year those drops were contagious, right? And against South Carolina, I think the only drop was Daz, and he fixed it with two great catches. So I think that's the big thing with the wide receivers is just kind of forgetting about it and moving on. So I mentioned the pros of your the, the, the wide receivers against Miami. Yeah, agreed. I think it just shows how positive the team's mentality is in general. Let's go ahead and wrap it up with this, guys. Were there any quotes from either Phil Longo or Jay Bateman that stood out to you that you want to leave the, the listeners with as we go ahead and end this one? 
One thing I thought that stood out from what Jay Bateman says was how good Tamon Fox was, not even in that Miami game, but you know what they've seen in the preseason in South Carolina, is that he is such an effective pass rusher and does so many things well that they move him at certain places across the line in order to create mismatches for other players like Strobridge and Cater because they know that offensive coordinators and offensive line coaches are moving protections to Tamon Fox's side. And so you, you're going to tell, you see this, you're going to probably see this as Bateman's going to move him in order to get a, a pressure from the other side because they know the focus is going to be on Fox. So I thought it was super interesting. Um, he seems really impressed with Morrison, like I said, and of course, Strobridge and Crawford, but Tamon Fox is another player that, you know, could have some NFL talent. You know, he has one more year at UNC, but obviously he showed that against uh, Miami with three sacks. All right, and then what about for you, Gregory? You can go ahead and take us home, man. Any comments from either Longo or Bateman that stood out to you? It's not necessarily a comment that one of the coaches made, but something that stands out to me about Bateman is we, we were mentioned, talking about earlier about not taking teams for granted. Last week, when asked about Miami, he was joking, was like, he's like, what challenges Miami bring? He looks down his watch, he goes, how much time do we got? When talking to, when talking today about Wake Forest, he kind of had the same demeanor. He, Patrice Renee out for the season, tallest corner. They've got to wrap six three. Um, Scotty Washington six five. So you can kind of tell that in his head and what he's thinking about is that their defense is going to have some work to do to stop those guys. So whether the players might take it for granted, maybe. Maybe it's just energy. They're like, it's Wake Forest. We got them. But the coaches aren't. So that's my takeaway from how they're handling these game plans and these matchups leading up to competition. All right. That sounds good. We'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Ross, Gregory, thanks a lot for joining me. And we'll talk again next week. Have a good one, guys. Appreciate it, John. Thanks, John. See you. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.